All right, welcome back to another episode of Corked Up. I'm Jess Kleinschmidt. And I'm Rachel Lula. Uh, Rachel is disgustingly drinking wine out of a champagne glass. Like a... I'm gonna... Rachel, you're a fucking peasant. That's disgusting. You did warn me. I will give you that. You did, I did. warn me. I, listen, I'm... My life, like I have a new set that I'm recording on or right. whatever. Every- I will say you are at least drinking out of glass. Like, like, champ- like I'm not that upset, but it's the one thing that I do get irritated with, which is perfect for our segment today because I'm irritated. Um, speaking of, and weirdly enough, this is our wine word and you know what I work in. What's our wine word today, mama? Our wine word is media. Weird. Yeah. It feels kind of hypocritical of me to be okay with this wine word, but I think this is a very good opportunity to talk about how your and my relationship works, how the media is working with everything else. Before we get to that though, um, the Lindor trade, we're going to talk about that. Um, and first and foremost, from a baseball media perspective, I, I saw it coming. I really, really did. Um, we don't know if he's going to be a part of that awesome shortstop class uh, next off season with like Corey Seager, Trevor Story. Um, and I'm scared to even say this because people are on my ass about this Tatis information that I've leaked. But I, I foresee Lindor getting an extension. Before we even get into that, um, what are your thoughts as far as A, this trade, which I think is phenomenal. I think the Mets aren't fucking around. But where this trade happened in the offseason timeline. Um, so yeah, so I think, look, the trade, if I were the Indians, I think they overplayed their hand with uh, having Lindor. If I were them, I would have traded him earlier. I don't think they got as much as they could have. If anything, you just kind of look at, I mean, they gave up Lindor and cookie, uh, Carlos Carrasco, uh, who is on a very team friendly contract. Now, you know, he doesn't, he has, I would say ACE stuff. He, you know, for various reasons, he can't always pitch all the time, but you know, when he's healthy and he's good and he's on pitching on the mound, he, you know, he's got great stuff. So the Mets got a lot and they didn't really give up much. Um, that kind of suggests obviously that, Uh, The Indians weren't in the best position. Um, It's similar to, you know, you look at the Central right now in general, a lot of teams um, with, you know, Cubs giving up Darvish, right? Mm -hmm. They, I mean, to be fair, they had, they were even more restricted with Darvish just because of he had the no trade uh, or a limited no trade clause. So there were only a handful of teams that he could have been traded to. So it's a weird environment for teams that need to, trade away these stars and unfortunately I don't think most of them as we've seen are really getting a huge return um I'm not sure you know if it's like it's the environment COVID-19 whatever it is but um but I feel like no matter what the environment is there's always one one team who does better than the other or and it depends on like the perspective and how you're viewing it because we like as the media, we grade some of these trades. Yeah. Like, hey, how was this Padres Cubs trade? Did, who 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 won from that? So it depends on how you're looking at it. But yes, yes. But and I do think it's really hard 
you know, when, when trades do involve like prospects, I think that's really hard to judge even with like the Cubs trade, because sometimes prospects don't work out. Sometimes prospects don't work out, but sometimes also everyone's looking at, they're like, oh, well, the Cubs didn't even get like top prospects. But if you, you know, believe that maybe they have really advanced and good analytics and their front office saw these kind of diamonds in the rough and realized, look, we can get all them. And with the, you know, the staff we have and our farm system, we can develop these guys into tools, develop their tools, develop them into weapons, then it might be, it might really pay off. But right now it might seem like, oh, you know, it's not like they didn't get anything. So it's hard to judge it like right off the bat. But look, I mean, anyone who's going to trade, if you're going to trade for Lindor, granted, a lot of times when trades like this happen, um, similar with like the Mookie Betts trade, a a lot of times teams will talk with the agent about what is the likelihood if we were to go through with this, that we could do an extension because they want to know that ahead of time. And then you saw, you know, last year with the Red Sox and the Dodgers, you saw Mookie ends up, they make that trade. And then shortly after he signed. Without even playing. Fucking yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah. But That's so big energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm sure there were conversations with Lindor's agent um, about the likelihood of signing it. But at the end of the day, I mean, you have only, if the, if an extension doesn't get done, you have one year with Lindor. The reason you would trade, you know, to get Lindor, that's a win now mentality. You want to win this year. Um, Granted, they also got Carlos Carrasco in that trade as well, which is, you know, great. Um, But you know, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I know kind of from my understanding of Lindor um, and, you know, and obviously Bauer played with him for a long time. Um, I think there is something exciting about a big market that he likes. Um, I'm not going to speak for him at all, but just from things that I've heard. So, you know, maybe in the Mets is kind of the place where he wants to be. Um, and, and that's, what's cool about Lindor is like, he, there's so many layers to him. The first one is he's a good player. Let me refer, he's a great player. On top of that, in, like crazy marketable guy, crazy marketable guy. And I like that, that Cohen kind of, I feel like Cohen sees that. Steve Cohen definitely sees that. Um, I want to ask you about this though, because there was that graphic that came out and Trevor was involved and it was like, the Cleveland Indians have traded these guys in the last whatever years. And Bauer was there, Lindor, Cookie, all. What did that mean? Did that mean when you're on the opposite side of that, you know, a, a client is part of this pool of players who is, I don't want to say constantly being traded, but like, what's that mentality? Does that mean a good, you can kind of spin that in a good way, right? Like that means you're wanted. I had Taylor Trammell on Bok Talk recently He's always wanted. So you can actually say that, right? Like if you're, if you're part of this constant pool of traded players, that's like, could be a good thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's two ways. Look, anytime you're involved in a trade, it means that the one, one of the teams really wants you. Right. So, I mean, there's, I guess there's, you know, the, you can have the pessimistic way of looking at it as like, I'm not wanted here and they got rid of me. And you can have the more like optimistic kind of way of looking at it as like, no, but the other team wants you, somebody wants you. So, you know, I think there's um, like all of those trades in general to me, 
I think they should have been done earlier. Yeah. You know, people criticize uh, the Rays. People criticize, you know, all these teams that do. People criticize fans. people, Rachel. I had no idea. It's crazy. Um, but like, you know, you criticize the Rays, like they traded Snell, but you know, maybe they saw something, maybe they saw something that we'll end up seeing down the road where this was the optimal time to get the most for trading him. So it's easy to look at, you know, when teams trade away someone you really love and you're like that, they're a great player. Why would you trade them? But then also, then we always are super critical when they hold on to someone too long and they don't get enough in return. We're like, you know, well, that was a horrible trade. And like, yeah, well, they held on to the player. And so it, it's a tough balance. But look, in the scheme of the off season, this is pretty standard, I think, for a lot of times or in the last few years. And I think it's something that the next CBA is going to have to, um, they're, I think they're going to address it. But the signings, there haven't been, it's not the same. The middle class seems to be kind of getting squeezed. Um, and, you know, obviously you spend, squeezed? Um, just they're spending less money on the middle class. It's more of you spend on the big contracts and then the middle class, it's harder for them to sign because they would rather the middle class or they're the, you know, the free agents that aren't the top tier. And you could get basically the same, you could get probably more or less the same level of play from guys who are younger on team, you know, team controlled contracts. Yeah. So they're choosing those guys for team control, cost controlled players over these middle tier free agents. And so they're, it's harder for them to get contracts. So either way, this is been the trend for the last couple of years. It started even when I was at the union, I remember how many like conversations with the attorneys at the union that we would have about, all sorts of stuff about filing grievances with MLB, was there collusion, whatever it is, um, because of just this standstill where teams aren't signing. But you know what they were doing? They're trading because trading doesn't cost just like ponying yeah. up money necessarily. So um, look, this is normal. Last year, we had a bunch of big signings in during winter meetings. That, to me, those kinds of things won't happen when you have some of the biggest market teams who need to, who want to spend money that you happen to have last year. I mean, the Yankees, the Yankees wanted to spend money. Mm -hmm. um, you had the Nationals coming off a World Series. Like, it was a perfect recipe for these teams to sign. You know, you had Strasburg, you had Cole sign in December. However, and then I also believe MLB, because the CBA was coming up and the, C the CBA was going to be negotiated now after this next season with all of, with the two previous seasons where the players and that side was getting very concerned and having a lot of issues and starting to, you know, harbor a lot of, you know, uh, not resentment, but they, I mean, they were, they were pissed at MLB with what was happening. You had, I think MLB looks at it and is like, okay, CBA is coming up. We don't want the players to go in just fuming and pissed and ready to be like, you know what? We have nothing to lose. Like we just, we're not agreeing to anything, that kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. You, you would think MLB wants them to be a little more amicable and a little more cooperative going in. So to me, the way I, what I think happened is MLB kind of loosens the reins, tells the teams 
kind of puts out some sort of like message, basically urging teams to, or encouraging teams to, you look, sign players early, like get, get stuff done. Let's not make them freak out and wait. Whereas before, I think teams were looking at it as like, look, make them sweat, they'll drop their price. And that's ultimately what happened. But, but then I think MLB doesn't, going into another collective bargaining, they don't want players to be too mad. So I think they were like, okay, now that we've helped keep the price down the last few years, now just sign a few early. There's some big names on the market, it's fine. Like sign those guys. And then they'll, be, they'll feel a little better going into the bargaining. Obviously, you have a wrench thrown in that with COVID-19. And then we saw all the heated, you know, emotions and the conflict between the players and MLB and the owner during the quarantine negotiations. So that just kind of like messed with everything. But now I think MLB looks at it and is probably telling teams, look, like cry COVID-19. cry." I was going to ask you, I feel like they're kind of yeah, they're trying to, they're going to, as an excuse. I'm not yeah. saying COVID-19 is bullshit. It's a, it's fucked up. But they're playing it up. I mean, riding they're, it. they're riding it for as much as they can. They're trying to, whether they could, they do have the money to spend or not, or they would spend it regardless. They're going to hold on to, well, look, they, this is the reality. Like we all know COVID-19 really, you know, hurt a lot of us. So we can't spend. It's a good, it's a good excuse. I'm not saying it's not a real one. I agree. But we don't know how, in terms of owners wanting to spend money, we don't know how much it actually like plays into it. But I think MLB is encouraging owners to look like milk it. That's also why I think they're not giving a lot of answers about what's happening right. with DH, all that kind of stuff. And and yeah, and so unfortunately, I know you wanted to make it a short show, but you made Sorry. me want more questions. So. There's so many things I want to touch on. So the first thing that you mentioned, we're, we're like, we're going to go back to like the U Darvish Blake Snell trade because um, specifically U Darvish, there was um, a lot of prospects, not top 10. People were shocked that Mackenzie Gore wasn't, was untouched. And you mentioned diamonds in the rough. And the reason why I got excited about that is I was thinking about Drew Smiley specifically with the giants before he went to the Braves. The giants, and I'm going to shout out Matt Daniels and his, you know, the pitching staff and, you know, Andrew Bailey, all these guys, they had, a, they saw something in Drew Smiley to turn, I think it was under $5 million contract into two years, 11 million, some, something like that. And they added velocity onto his fastball. So they saw a diamond in the rough. So what I'm saying is there are a lot of teams that do this. I mean, the Astros are for sure. For sure. I think I would, I mean, I saw it specifically with the giants. Yeah. That's why I said yeah. it, but it's like, you see those diamonds in the rough. And I remember writing specifically diamonds in the rough and you'd be shocked because like the giants, it was a, I think it was a very far Zaidi mentality flipping that like a house flip. You flip, you see that shit on HGTV, you flip it, send it off and you make them more money. And Drew Smiley is probably happy about it. So I can talk about that. So, so if you think about like losing top prospects or in your mind, a top prospect, there's still benefits to that. Lindor trade, what I wanted to ask you about, because you mentioned how trading, there's less monetary value as far as that goes, obviously. Do you think we're going to see more of that as time goes on because of the weirdness? Do you think they're going to ride more with, with CBA and COVID? Do you think more, I feel like we knew Lindor was going to be traded. We just knew that was going to happen. Yeah, but I think that's going to be, a, it's going to be more 
before spring training starts, whenever that might be? Yeah, because you're going to, I mean, look, that's what happens always. And that, or in the last several years, that's what you've seen. You think, of, and that's fine. But do you think it's going to happen more because of? No, I mean, I think it's just going to continue. Like we're going to, I think the last few years is like this, it's playing out the exact same. We're seeing a bunch of, tra- we're seeing trades be the big transactions, but there's no signings. Yeah. Because yeah, I think trades are, are given where the CBA is at, given kind of the dynamics of how, you know, baseball, the teams are operating now in general, it's easy. I think they like it's easier. Trading. It's easier. There's there less paperwork for a trade as opposed to a free agent signing, just paperwork wise. I mean, it's, no, I think about that. A lot, men, a lot of men are in this industry. I wonder if they're like, oh, I just don't want to do the paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> type of deal um you mentioned there, there's one thing that popped up today and this was a certain reporter I will not mention him um, but he did call me out recently on my Tati stuff it's fine so here's the thing 162 games reportedly might happen in 2021 mm-hmm. I hope you have my back with this and I feel like you will it's very fluid but well I'm Emily has said on time spring training like right now for sure here's the thing that's the plan. And I, I've known that for a while, Yeah. but this report that comes out spring trainings, whatever it's, I feel like that doesn't matter compared to the season starting. And really, I feel like it's going to be, I genuinely, from what I'm hearing, I know people are going to hate me for this. We're going to have a spring training, but I feel like we're also going to have another summer camp or some similar thing to it. Timeline wise. I have no idea because everything's so damn fluid once again. Um, fans wise I don't know all that stuff they're gonna have whatever um I do I cannot confidently say we're gonna have 162 games I don't think we're gonna have 60 games I feel like we're at least gonna have 100 oh there's gonna be a damn lawsuit if there aren't if there are 60 games because yeah. there's no reason we've already proven we know how to exactly have a season yeah Absolutely. I'm just and, and that's good I'm glad you mentioned that that's good but I this report that came out and I really hate this because I'm already getting shit about this Tati stuff that I've leaked. But if you look at the wording, they're saying prepare for 162 games. Jake Diekman from the A's says, just announce shit. Just tell it like it is. Whatever. Do you think we're going to have 162 games next season? And how, don't be specific with the clients, if you will. If you, if I had you as an agent, and I have an agent. So if I were to approach them be like, hey, should I prepare for 162 games or what's the deal? That's That has to be a deciding factor, right? I'm, nego- I'm negotiating. We're having 162 games. There's no reason that we wouldn't. I, that's how, I, there's no, there is no need for me to start going and, and thinking of hypothetical situations where we don't have 162. I mean, when we negotiate with teams, we're negotiating for, there's going to be 162 games and that's how we're thinking about it. Now, if MLB decides and goes ahead and is like, you know, we're going to, of course, MLB saying, let's prepare for this because they don't want the backlash right now, but I'm sure when it comes down to it, they're going to look, if you think about it, why would the owners right now until they can have full fans in the stands, especially with a lot of these big, um, you know, a lot of the teams that are in on the coastal cities that have lockdown, et cetera, the owners, why would they want to have 
162 because they're going to lose money. So they're going to try to do, they're going to try to do the prorated thing. They're going to try to hold out. But the reason that, but technically they can't do that because if there isn't a, depending on if there isn't a national emergency, then Manfred can't suspend contracts, which means that, you know, they need to have the season go as agreed upon in the CBA. Um, I think we've proven, we figured out how to have 60 games. And that was only, we got restricted to 60 because of the time, because it took us that long to just start. That's what it came down to. We figured out how to have a season. Yeah. We figured out how to have a season with, with during the pandemic, which means there's no reason that we shouldn't have 162 games. I don't, I'm not talking about the monetary part of it, but just the logistical part of having a season that we should be able to have a season. And so unless they're going to be able to use the pandemic and a national emergency to suspend contracts, they're going to have to go about how they normally would. I think you have to be careful that you're not going to hurt the free agent class right now and signings, because if you, if owners are looking at this, like, you know, well, if, would they think in the back of their head, we might not have 162 games and they're going to, that's going to affect the signings and what they want to pay, et cetera. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting to think from that perspective, we have no idea what's going to happen, but I can easily see certain members of the front, the commissioner's office writing COVID. We did it. We got a fucking baseball season, dude. Like, I don't understand why we can't continue it that way and we actually set a really good precedence I genuinely feel that so like the whole thing um I'll ask you something can I tell you a funny about the commit when you said commissioner's office it made me think of my uh the one of the commission the attorneys at the commissioner's office I think I told you this but he (laughs) I happened to look at my on my website on my store and uh I got to know sure yeah. And I saw, I saw someone, uh, I just happened to be looking on my store. i like rarely do it. And I happened to see like one, like one of the order fulfillments, like two orders down. I like glanced at the name and I was like, that name looks familiar. And I was like, it can't be. And I click on the address and, or, and it's like from the air, like the area where I know he lives. And I was like, oh my God, one of the attorneys from the like, commissioner's office bought a shirt. And I was like, well, that has to be done just to like, that's not done because he like supports me. I mean, we know each other well from arbitration and stuff. So yeah. I sent him an email, like a thank you for your purchase email. But like, clearly it was like from me. And I told him, hope you, uh, like, thanks for the support, like a winky face, like hope you enjoy it for whatever the hell you're using that shirt for. And he was like, yeah, he goes, I was, I'm going to wear it in the, I thought it'd be perfect for arbitration this winter, um, in the late nights in the hotel when we're working. I was like, well, I can't be mad about free advertising. So thanks. Yeah. I mean, like I would love a Luba sports. But I liked, I was happy to be able to call out one of the lawyers at the commissioner's office. So. You know what, Rach, you look so much sexier when you're drinking it out of an, a wine-esque glass. Thanks. You look like a lady, which I appreciate. We need all the help we can get. We need all the help we can get. Um, One thing I wanted to bring up was, um, so Trevor put out this video about how free agency is going, basically. And obviously you got a lot of shit for it, like 
people are just like, who fucking cares, Trevor? Just like announce where you're going, announce what you're signing, like announce all these things. And you told me this, mind you, he had like facial hair, which I didn't know. I didn't, looking at Trevor, I didn't know he could actually grow facial hair. I'm just like, like forever. Yeah. I just not, it's not like super, it's not usually super long, but he always has facial hair. I guess I, yeah, you didn't put it together, but yeah, I did. I was like, congratulations. Like, cause you know, you see these faces, you're like, he can't grow facial hair. And I felt like Trevor, so like good for him. And anyhow, but also it makes me feel like quarantine's been a long, it's been a long quarantine like, type of deal. I want to talk about that because like you kind of, you, you wanted to say like, well, I called out some people and actually, so I was talking to Bauer about it after. And I was like, I'm glad, I'm glad I put that tweet out because I think what happened was it started to seem like, because, you know, it's like the, the haters seem to always be the loudest and they might not, they're not, there might not be a lot of them, but they scream the loudest because it's like on Yelp, right? If you have a great dinner and you enjoy the restaurant, you know, you're satisfied and you tell your friends about it, but you don't go out of your way to go on Yelp usually and write a really great yes. review. But, you know, like you, or maybe the first time, but you don't continue to do it, right? But the people like that have the awful experiences, the really bitter ones, the ones that are just all grumpy, they go on and they, you know, throw a tantrum on there and they're like, yes. this is the worst thing ever. And so you look at the reviews and you're like, oh my God, this place must be awful. But you, you miss all the great reviews because like, they're not going to go out of their way. We've and, talked about this just with like the shit. Yeah. We only remember the negative shit. Yeah. And so what happened is like in the beginning, you know, we had all these people support, like telling Trevor, this is so cool what you're doing. We love that you're giving this inside scoop. And then we've continued to do it. And there's no need for them every time to comment, right? Like that, hey, we love what you're doing. This is so great. Thanks for inside scoop. Like they told us the first time they continue to, you know, like it, all of that, um, view it, whatever it is. But the haters, the few of them that, and then they make burners. And so it seems like a lot of them all of a sudden, are really mad because they're like, just fucking sign already. And so it seemed like, okay, now no one wants us to talk anymore. They want us to be like the old school traditional way of just shut the hell up and make a decision. And when I put that out there though, it was nice to see, I think at least like a lot of people that initially were like, no, 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 like we love this. Thank you for doing it. There's always going to be the haters and the people that don't like change and they like status quo and all that and fine. But it was a good reminder that look, there's still people that appreciate uh, what we're doing, but it's frustrating because Bauer's trying to give people an inside look into the process and coming from a firsthand source, like this is the dude who we're negotiating the contract for. And instead everyone's like, you know, once it passed December and people now are getting antsy, which happens every year, with the exception of last year, it happens every year that it takes a long time. And if you go back, look at media reports, look at head, like all the headlines, it's like, you know, it's still Machado and Harper haven't signed. They didn't start sign until spring training, right? You had all these, all this talk about it. But the difference is you heard nothing from the yeah. agent or the player. And so everyone, I think for some reason, their view, people are starting to think like, oh, Bauer's milking this. Like he knows and he's just not telling people because he wants to ride this out. Is like, that the, Is that like the consensus that you're getting? Like he knows where he's oh, going? Like, he's just he trying to drag decide, it out? Yeah, like just decide because you're having fun toying with us. And like that's, you, you guys just clearly then have, all it makes me realize is that people have no idea how MLB, like the MLB, 
off season goes. And well, how- I feel like that's a control thing. They, they want to be in control too. Like they just want to know. And like, right, but, but this is not, this isn't the NBA. Like, and this isn't something crazy. And it's not like, if you look around too, what other free agents have signed? I think the biggest free agent signing has been James McCann. And, and that, you know, that's yeah. what other big signing. So nobody signed. I mean, I was pretty pumped for Lance Lynn, but oh no, that was a trade. That's right. Yeah. So so you look at it and like, who else is signed? And then people, somebody said, well, you know, the whole nobody else is signed is like a bullshit kind of response because don't you want to be the one to set the market so that someone else doesn't sign after you? Don't you, you it's the opposite though, right? You want to be, you want to wait no, for the person to sign. Not necessarily, but you okay. look around and you're like, well, okay, I'm sorry. You, then do you want, you must not quite understand the like really have a good grasp on the market because yeah, it's because they fucking what, peaked at JV. That's what, their thing. What, yeah. What free agents are there who are going to sign right now and affect Bauer? Which ones? Like I would love to know because these guys must be, you know, I mean, they I should will say Trevor has a big effect on me. So <laughs> I'm the only one. But there's so like there are no other starting pitchers yeah. that are in Trevor's part of the market. So that's not gonna matter. And so people are sitting there like, I just, it blows my mind how many, I mean, the amount of like mansplaining that I'll get from people right now that are apparently like smarter GM, like they're smarter than the GMs. I mean, I'm confused why if they seem to have all this knowledge and ability to value players, why aren't they working in a front office? Why aren't they, why aren't they an agent? Like, it's just funny because they'll sit there trying to like mansplain to me how to do my job, how to value my player, how to, how teams are valuing. And I'm like, you're so off base right now, but yeah. I can't even respond to all of them. Um, and I, Oh stopped. no, we, we, I mean, today, literally some guy was like, you went on the radio cause you like the sound of your voice. Listen, dude, I have been on the radio. I don't think I'm exaggerating over a thousand times. I can't stand this. And I, I, I like, I like the sound of my voice because I'm used to it now. That's not why I go on the radio. I literally reiterated that, that this is a Tati's thing we'll touch on later, but like, I can't give you more information than what I reported because a, I don't know anything else. B shut the fuck up. C well, like well, literally. And the best part was, this is my favorite part, Rachel, the radio spot I went on responded to him because I love Ben and Woods shout out to them they said don't be a dick to this guy you know how many sports radio spots do that nobody that's where Tony Quinn Tony Gwynn Jr. works and he's had my back with some shit before that's a whole different thing we've talked about it athletes are allies but what I'm saying is this guy with 79 followers shut the fuck up if you want to do your job my job better than me go do it you'll probably be more educated than me because I don't have a college degree but there's no way in hell you can get the same sources that I can. Well, I would love to know which, yeah, I mean, I, I would love the followers that are much more educated than me. Maybe they're a lawyer and a doctor. I don't I know. Will, you know what, Rach, I really have a good idea for our, one of our podcasts and next episodes. Have these haters be like, hey, do you want to come on Corked Up? Oh, like, yeah, tell, let's do it. Let's bring them on. Let's tell us why you're better at our job than you. Okay, I'm down. We'll have our, we'll have Will, our producer, maybe help try to line those up. Trying to line those up. Like, cause I, I feel like if you think you're better at your, at my job than me, then tell me how. Right. So, but, uh, what was I going to say? Um, 
I totally went off on a tangent. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. but yeah, I, I, I kind of cock blocked you in a way. Sorry. Oh, I got it. I know what I'm just, I was okay. getting was people are also shitting on well, on me and I know Bauer for, you know, oh my God, the amount of people that went onto Bauer's Twitter and when he posted his YouTube video, just talking about the things that are important to him and they shit all over him for being- Wanting to be happy. What? Wanting to be happy. Yeah, no, but for shitting on journalists and the media. And they were like, this is their job. Why would you take it away? And I just want to make something very clear. Well, we talked about this. Yeah, but like, like apparently it got lost on people. So we'll say it again. First of all, I mean, me personally, I think the media has a very important purpose. And, and you have told me that many times. Yes. Yeah, an important role in, um, in just the world and in baseball and all industries. And I love the media. However, there are times when the media puts out information that is just completely false. Like you look at it and like, there isn't even re- like a remote remotely true part of what they said. Do you want to call out a specific person? No, I don't. And because he, I think that people know, but actually I've seen it like multiple times with multiple writers and I look at it and I'm like, okay, I understand though. I, I always start to think about like, where did you, why, where'd you get the information from and why, why is that information being put out? And I talk about this a lot, but like, and I tell you this a lot, you have to, because you're what your, your media, you have to go off of sources. You're not in the room firsthand. So you right. have to be able to deduce like who's reliable, who's not. And so I think it's always important to think about what is the motive? Why would somebody say this and what do they want to happen? And so I look at it a lot now in the media, when I see a report that I'm like, wow, that wasn't even close to being true. Like, I haven't even talked to that person yet, or I haven't even, like, we haven't even communicated with that. You even open that text message. Right. But like, or I haven't even communicated with that team yet, but why would they put this out? And then I think about it, I'm like, huh, well, maybe this team wanted them to put it out because it would help influence something else, but everyone's angling. And so there are certain media people and you, you are not one of them who they like, they're, they have agendas most, not most, but like a lot of media people have agendas. And so when people sit there and they shit on Bauer for telling people what he wants, what is important and what is important to him. And they're like, I don't trust you. Or they tell me, I don't trust you. I trust the third party source. It's like shocking to me because I'm not using the media to influence a, you know, like basically to. But like, here's the thing, because you don't need us. And we've talked about that from the beginning. You and Trevor don't need us. Right. So I can go whatever I need. Like I do whatever influencing or strategy I have. That's all done behind closed doors. When I say something in the media, it's because I'm correcting something. Like I am. I'm the only one aside from the, the teams, if they want to come on directly and say something and, or Trevor who wants to come on, who is in the room. So when I tell you something like, I mean, if you want to believe the third party source who heard it via telephone of like this person told this person who told this person, and you don't know which person in that chain had an agenda that they were after, 
then that's fine. But it's just funny to me that somebody's sitting there when the person who is literally in the room, when it's the topic is literally about things they want. They tell you firsthand, this is what I want. Yeah. And people don't want to believe it. It's like, well, look, you're literally getting firsthand so like a source right yeah. here. And so I think the problem is, is a lot of times while I think media is very, I mean, they have a job to do and you would like to think that they are objective and that they, you know, make sure that all their sources are reliable. But if you go back and I was actually talking with a, um, an, an MLB executive about this the other day, he was like, yeah, you know, it's just funny because they'll put out these false narratives and it'll look really bad on the team or whatever. So what what do you consider honestly, a false narrative? What? What do you consider a false narrative? Uh, false stories about how maybe something went down, how something happened, whatever okay. it is. If I go to, if I get too specific, it, it'll be obvious who I'm talking about. So I'm not going to, but then once the truth comes out about how something happened, no writers are held accountable for perpetuating a false story. And, and vice, but in, in my defense, vice versa, when something does come to fruition, nobody's like, Jessica, you were right. Sure. I think sure. it's a girl thing, but it's fine. But, but either way, it's when, when media puts things out, it's to me, it's always like it's viewed as gospel. It must be yeah. right because it's the media, but there's so many times where they put stuff out and then later there's, Oh, well, actually this is kind of what happened or this is what, whatever it is. And nobody goes back and says, well, how did you get that story? Why did you think this? And you put, you put out a whole story and narrative about this and it turns out it's completely wrong. Right. So was there some truth to it? Were you just completely going off a source that wasn't reliable? And now that's on you, I think as a writer, yeah. if you're, you know, like you have an, your integrity too. You got to make sure your sources are good. And I feel like nobody holds the media accountable for that. I agree which is why I try to put out my stuff if I need to correct something. I want you to tell the people. About our relationship? Yes. Um, we're married, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, before, before we get in that, and here's the thing, and I'm only saying this because I'm getting so fucking mad, and I love you and I love Trevor. If one more fucking person, doesn't matter what I'm talking about, if they ask me where Trevor is going and they don't do it from like, where do you want? Cause I've had fun with it. Right. I've been like, Oh, I would love for Trevor to come to San Francisco. Cause I just want to hang out with them. The content would be good. And I'm having fun with that. But first of all, and foremost, I will not leak where Trevor Bauer is going because first of all, it's not, I don't fucking, and I've told you this, I don't fucking care. I want y'all to be happy. But if one more person asks me, that between me and people are saying me and Carabas are going to announce where Trevor's going. First of all, we're not going to fucking announce it. Rachel Luba, well, are you going to be the person that announces it? You will, right? It's this is Bauer's thing. So I'm the, we'll leave it to Bauer will decide how right. it gets announced. That's all we're like, we know right now or exactly. that. So, and I'm only saying that because I'm getting, like, this is no offense to you. Like, I hate when I go on and I'm, and I'm, I'm taking time out of my schedule and they're like, so what, did, where is Trevor telling you that he's going to go? And I'm like, first of all, I literally told you about my journey to journalism without a college degree, college dropout, worked my ass off. And that's your fucking question. Okay. I'm just going to get that done. I also want people to know you're my relationship and the times where, You've said, hey, maybe you shouldn't write that. There have been, there's one occurrence. Like 
let me like let me clarify for everybody kind of where we're at the reason yeah. that our relationship works so well is because it's based on you know a, a friendship and a mutual love for baseball but I think the reason the way that we uh the the reason we're able to have a good relationship is because you and I don't really have a work relationship together I don't use use as I don't use you as a source. You don't come to me to get inside information because, and like it does. If if that's how it was, it would be really hard for us to have like a good friendship because right. it would be comfortable sometimes. Where it's like if I felt like you were always trying to milk me for information, like to further your career, because we all know that when writers want information because that's how they move up, that's how they get bigger, and we like to use writers at times because it helps us. But yeah. if like. I think we, we never really had to establish it. Yeah. It's just kind of something that was understood. Like right. you've never put me in an uncomfortable, you've never asked me. And as a result, because I haven't wanted to ever cross that line where things start to get, get like that. I've never told you any like inside information about anything because I just feel like we, for us to be able to have the dynamic and the show that we have, we need to, like, I can't be a source for you and, you know, vice versa. So I want people to know, because today I, I sent you a screenshot, this MFR said, oh, Luba gave you false information. I've never told you any information about any, like nothing, not about Bauer, not about other clients. And when people, like, if, if I were your source, if I did give you information, the way I see it too, is people would view it as, like how reliable is it because we know their friendship. So they're probably right. like, it's hard for, if I gave you information about that, like about anyone that I know, people would look at and like, well, she's biased. It's not, she's not giving you objective information because she's trying to help her friend. Yeah. And so I don't want to put you in a bad position. People to say, you told me that. Yeah. I've told, so like, I don't give you information. You don't ask me for information. Yeah. And I don't ever ask you to write things for me. I don't ever ask you to do anything. And I'm glad you brought that up because there was a couple people that were like, oh, you're only writing Trevor with the giant stuff because of you're in Rachel's relationship. No, honestly, minus me and Rachel's friendship, I would love for Trevor to play for the Giants. Right. That's from like a baseball fan perspective and a content perspective. Inject that content in my fucking veins, dude. I would love that. Yeah, but there was there was one time, and we'll we'll be transparent with yes. everyone. I'll be transparent. There was one time where that we ever like had a little crossover or yeah. a moment where we shared information, and that was when you were tasked with writing a story about something, and I said, and you told me about it because it related to one of my players. Yeah, and you said just. All I'm going to say is like, it's probably not worth writing because it's unless you want to be one of the media that just puts out rumors with no real basis. And I wasn't going to tell you what, like anything more than that, but like, don't write that. Like that's dumb. And you didn't, and we moved on and that was it. But other than that, if you ever put, when you talk about stuff with Bauer, it's literally out of just your pure amusement entertainment. Yeah. Like, because like you want Bauer to go to yeah the Giants or the A's or whatever it is but I've never given you information to be honest look at my Twitter when it comes to Bauer to begin with there aren't any writers I give information to because Bauer doesn't want them to so everyone who thinks that Jess is using me as a source like 
you guys are silly because I don't tell her shit. Uh, she really doesn't. And yeah. I'm only here to be like, you good, mama? Yeah. Good? No, that is the, the, your, the extent of our, like your involvement in my job is making sure that I'm not about to jump off a cliff because yes. I'm like, that's the extent of it. Um, like, I'm curious to know how you're going to find out or when you're going to find out about like where Bauer signs when he does, because like, that's like, our, we have a friendship and we have a like, podcast together and we give each other advice on, I tell Jess how to, what's a good way with like talking with agents. Yeah. And- Cause I want to, I want inter- to introduce myself to agents and, and she'll, she'll help me with that. And, and we learn from each other. And I think that's important. And but we don't ever, like use each other to benefit our careers. Although I did tweet out that you're a shitty texter and I stand by that. It's true. I, <laughs> I, I have how many, how many unread texts right now? Yeah, actually we were 47 unread yeah. texts right now. And I actually, I joked with corked up cause I need a new camera and like a corked up like group text. I was like, Hey, like I need a new camera. Mine's like falling apart. And they're like, oh, we'll ask Rachel. She has a really good one. And I was like, cool, ask her and I'll get the result and I'll get the text yeah. back in nine hours later. <laughs> I wasn't lying when I tweeted that shit out. That was a fact. I tell, like, first of all, I will say all my clients, if it's ever like work related with a team or clients on it, but if it's, if I can tell, and I tell people that are, and like, I, I think I've told you and most people know, like, look, if it's important and for some reason I don't text, like call me twice kind of yeah. thing and I'll know. But in general, like I respond to if, if anything related to my clients or, you know, teams I respond to, but I don't have time to go through the rest. Like I, it, sometimes it takes me a day or two to get back. It's never personal. It's just that I, if I spend all day responding to people and just having casual conversations back and forth, like I get nothing done. We get it, Rachel. You can't have co- casual conversations with people. But okay, so this ended up being like a short corked up till, but we had a lot to catch up on. Um, we have a merch line now and okay. people are loving it. Legitimately, Rachel, people are loving your check out my curves t-shirt. I still have my my shirt, my design, but it's fine. I am obsessed with it and um a couple pictures who will you'll find out eventually when they get their stuff one of my best friends evan marshall will be sporting a check out my curves and i'm hoping he wears it underneath his uniform he just avoided arbitration congrats to him um so he has that wait he what he avoided arbitration yeah oh yeah, yeah i saw that yeah um, he has a check out my curves sure his wife did order it. I don't know if it's for him or for her, but either way, the Marshall family. I'm trying to get, so I want to send Yasiel a shirt with the do my hair, uh, drink one. Great hair, always new colors. He doesn't have Jessica hair, but he's got good hair. It's pretty colorful though. But but it's not as good as Jess's hair. I mean, that's true. It's like the same thing. I mean, that's why I want to give Bauer the check out my curves. Like he doesn't have curves like Rachel, but he's got like pretty good curves, you know, on the mound. So it's like- You not- Darvish needs it because he has like 87 yeah. pitches. So. so if any players are listening to this and you would like 
to rock one of our uh, shirts, whether it's the hair or the curves one, we'll be happy to send you one out. So- I feel like Dalton Jeffries and Grant Holmes will happily sport from the A side. Jesus Lazardo, if you're listening, Mike Fires, my boys. Are they my boys? I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> we'll find out in 20 in this this season. Um, right, let's wrap up. But yeah, like I said, we have to make sure y'all are list, like getting all of our swag. I love our crop hoodies. I'm not just saying that. Um, crop but, is where it's at. Like I love our stuff and legitimately Rachel, momentum for putting that all together. Loved it. They, they, they killed it. And um, I do want to make fun of myself um, only because Rachel, you literally everything you do turns to gold because we were joking about like, how great you are with like everything. And I was like, oh, am I? <laughs> I mean, we're all kind of struggling. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Me included very much so. Yeah. And um, we we're talking about like, oh, hey, here's like, I have an idea. You did that wine oh, yeah. thing. And I was like, cool. And I, those are literally Rachel's hands on the, on the shirt. And you didn't oh, because my hands look like children's hands apparently which I got made fun of by a couple players who were like your hands are so small or like why did you draw those hands so small on the baseball and I was like do your hands look bigger and then I realized like yeah my I was like first of all they're they're my hands like I didn't have bigger hands to draw because I literally held a baseball with my painted nails they happened to be that pink color that day and I looked at it and drew my hands so those are my hands those are my yeah. nails that's and I have like eyes fingers which is weird so I every time I would hold a ball people are always like that's weird but they're not like Pedro Martinez but like yeah I, I mean I have I, I have gymnast hands and I hate them what is gymnast hands what is that well I growing up because we always had um our hands were all like ripped up and calloused and like bloody and disgusting yeah bars so I was always so embarrassed on my hands so um I've just always I mean they don't look like that anymore but they're still I don't know in my head like I always grew up I like my hands are yeah I get that I get that um well cheers mama I love you cheers and yeah check out our merch guys because it's awesome it's really good merch 